Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators for a successful freelance career and lifestyle with your host, Tess Witte. Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators, the podcast for freelance translators and interpreters where experts and other translators share their best business and marketing tips. A translation project is often a complicated task and can sometimes involve many people and different steps, especially if it's translated into if it's a translation into several languages. And you need proofreading, editing, back translation, layout and more. So today I want to talk about how we can best manage the translation projects. Someone who can answer this um, is today's interviewee, a fellow winner of the Prose.com Community Choice Award for the best book on project management. This uh, French translator, company owner, and project manager wrote the book How to Manage Translation Projects first in French and then in English, but her secret passion is singing karaoke. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Nancy Matisse. Hi, Des. Thank you very much. Um, Well, yeah, I like singing. I like karaoke, but it doesn't mean I'm a really good singer, you know? (laughs) You're not supposed to be a really good singer when you sing karaoke. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I sing uh, rather than well, too. So... First of all, let's uh, let's uh, talk about yourself and your career in translation a little bit for people who don't know you. Okay, um, I studied translation around 20 years ago, so that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And um, after having studied translation, actually I graduated also in economics because some teachers had told me at that time that it would be good to have a specialization. So I was quite good in economics. I liked it. So I decided to, um, again, study economic after the translation studies. The Mm -hmm. thing is that afterwards I sent my CV to hundreds of companies to work in management or marketing because I really enjoyed those. Mm. But um, in parallel, I thought that maybe I could translate during the evening or during the weekend. And Mm -hmm. um, actually the first company to contact me very quickly for a job was a translation company looking looking for people able to revise text in the economic sector. So it was extremely interesting and I started like that, actually not really translating but revising text. And that was an in-house position then? Yes, it was uh, here in Brussels in Belgium. Mm -hmm. It was normally only for a few weeks. Um, actually, I think my first contract was three weeks only as an employee, and okay. uh, after all, I stayed seven years in the company. Um, okay. I started quite quickly to work on localization projects. They received lots of Microsoft requests for localization, and my first real localization project was the translation let's say, the translation of the interface on my side and then the revision of all the components of Microsoft PowerPoint. So it was great mm-hmm. because it, that's an easy program. And mm-hmm. the great thing in working internally was also that I could work on different tasks which are, were not linguistic tasks but technical, like working on the illustrations, um, learning how to do DTP, also testing mm-hmm. the French software after localization. So it was mm-hmm. obviously extremely interesting, and I learned a lot at that time. 
Very, a very varied job. Yeah, definitely. And um, after a few months, I started working as a project manager still in this company, but mm -hmm. only focusing on jobs translated into my own language, French. So we call that local project management. And afterward, afterwards, it evolved in international project management, managing different teams in the world for projects. Uh, would it be documentation projects or software projects? At that time, there, there were lots of software projects going on. Mm -hmm. um, and then after a few years, I became head of the PM department and later on the, the operation manager, meaning that I was supervising the PM department and the mm -hmm. operations department. So I had mm -hmm. to develop quite a lot of training, for, especially for the PMs. So that's mm -hmm. how I started learning how to train PMs, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you have your own company? Yeah. After seven years in this company, I left it, not exactly knowing what I would do, but I started translating on my own. But the thing mm -hmm. is that I quickly received lots of requests, so I needed help, even in other languages. Mm -hmm. so basically, after one year, I was working with different freelancers. One PM had joined me, and I decided to found officially a company. So now, mm. nowadays we have 9 PMs, but the, okay. the thing is that um, I'm alone here in the office. Um, all the PMs work remotely. All the PMs are also freelance project managers. And okay. Yeah. So they, they don't come here. They have connections to my server. Um, mm. Some of them have dedicated PCs here in the office, but they connect remotely. So basically I see them maybe three times a year. Um, mm. And they work with freelancers only for French and, well, n not only, let's say mainly for French and Dutch translations, which are the l two of the official languages here in Belgium. Mm -hmm. For many other languages that we deal with, we actually work with partners, would they be companies or groups of uh, translators. Um, based in other countries. So, for instance, we have lots of requests into German and we work with three different groups in Germany, one being a okay. quite important company, for instance. So, there are kinds of partnerships if you want. So, if, when you started on your own, did you go directly for direct clients then? Well, um, at that time, clients started to contact me, well, mm -hmm. direct clients, but at the same time, some translation companies also contacted me. They mm. knew me from my previous job. They knew that mm -hmm. I, I worked previously in a translation agency, so they contacted me, and they mm. didn't only contact me for translation jobs, actually. I remember one company based in China contacted me in order to build up a team for them in Europe. So they mm -hmm. wanted me to recruit people in different languages for their own needs, in fact. So there, there mm. were quite a lot of different demands, definitely. Yeah. And um, in, in Brussels, the, there must be many, many, many translation companies because of the EU, right? Yes. And that's the perfect place to live if you want to do translations, I think. Well, probably, but at the same time, I should tell you that all my clients are out of Belgium. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, and I don't work for the institutions. I've never worked for them. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the funny thing is that uh, I don't have really Belgian clients, except the universities, but that's the, the other part of the story. Mm, mm, okay. 
Yeah. So you you won uh, the Community Choice Award for the best published book in translation for project management. Congratulations. Thank you very much, and thank you for all the people who voted for me. Yes, yes, exciting. Yeah, definitely. The book uh, is called How to Manage Your Translation Projects, and that's what I would like to talk about today. How long ago did you write this book? Um, I was actually contacted in 2009 by a publishing house here in Belgium. Mm-hmm. One of the persons working in this company had worked as a project manager years ago with me. And now she, well, at that time she was uh, in this publishing house. So she contacted me in order to know if I would be interested in writing about a book about localization. Mm-hmm. And to, well, I didn't feel I could really uh, write a book at that time about localization. I still had in mind an excellent book from Bert Esselink on localization. Mm-hmm. And I have that book. Yeah, yeah, I had that too. So I, I really wondered how to make it as good as he did. And at mm-hmm. the same time, I had been working a lot already in management rather than um, on on jobs in production. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel it, it would be that easy for me to work on such a book. And uh, it, it might have taken me a lot of time, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I proposed them something on translation project management because um, I, had started to, um, I had started teaching project management in different schools. And I saw that there was a kind of big interest from the students uh, about this subject. There were mm-hmm. lots of jobs proposed in this sector also in translation companies. So I proposed mm-hmm. this subject. And after having presented a plan, they, the, the publishing house accepted the um, the book about project management in French at that time. So I first wrote mm-hmm. the book in French, and it's mm. only afterwards that I decided to publish it in English. When did you publish it in English? Last year. Okay. And um, who buys your book? How who reads it? Is it also used in at universities? Well, for example, several universities uh, bought it. Students, also former students who contact me, telling mm-hmm. me that they've learned that I, I, I had a book, so they bought it. Um, mm-hmm. Some interns also, sometimes I've got some comments from interns during their internship. Someone tells them to read the book because maybe it's in the translation company already. Mm-hmm. Uh, some translators, there were some comments on Amazon on the French edition, for instance, from translators saying, well, actually, I, re- I read that book, even if I thought first it was for project managers, but it was quite useful as translators. So I, th- mm. I think nearly anyone interested in translation. So we can buy it as a paper copy, too, or is it just an ebook? The French edition is only available on paper. The okay. English version is only available uh, as an ebook. Okay. Okay. Online Good. from my website, actually. Yes, we're going to put a link to the book um, in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. So, what? Um, why is it important for translators to know about project management? How can we benefit from it? Well. For translators, and not only freelance translators, but I think it's also important for employees, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's quite important to understand that uh, translation is not only about translating words, it's also about managing every request as a new project, making sure that they can deliver on time, so they need to work on the planning um, of their project, 
Um, mm -hmm. For freelancers, obviously, they have to make sure that they will prepare a quotation that makes sense, but uh, that means also it will be profitable for them. Um, mm -hmm. All the steps of a project are really interesting for everyone. Um, analyzing a project is also very important. Now, apart from this, I think also that it's interesting for translators to know how project managers actually work. Would they yes. be in translation agencies or at and clients? It's quite important to understand exactly why they request specific things in, for specific projects and not for others, what are the steps, mm. the production steps in a project, why is it important for the translator to deliver on time, for instance, mm -hmm. and for a translator to understand exactly what his role is in a project is also quite important. I think that nowadays a lot of projects are also quite big or are linked to one mm. another. So yes. the participation and the team working is very important. And I think that project management can help you to better understand exactly what your role is in such big translation projects. I would imagine that if you know your role better too, it's more gratifying as a translator. Exactly, yeah. So, so let's talk about the steps now in managing a translation project. What are they? Um, the first one would definitely be the first contact. Mm -hmm. Whatever the project and whoever the client is, even if it's an existing client or a brand new client, um, there will always be a first contact where someone would have a need in translation and you would have to be in touch with this person to understand exactly what they want. And now we're talking about the client contacting the project manager. Yeah, or even the translation agencies trying to contact potential clients. Okay. Um, and even translators maybe trying to prospect. So Of course, because I, I would assume that the steps in project management are almost the same if you are contacting direct clients or clients directly too. I really think so, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Another very important step would be afterwards the analysis of the project. I, th mm -hmm. I think that it's a key step because basically all the rest depends on your analysis. You have really mm -hmm. to analyze the, the project itself. What domain is it? Um, what kind of style is required? What kind of category is it? Is it a pure software translation or is it a marketing website translation? Is it a, about translating multimedia animations? Or is it mm. just documents, but which kind of documents exactly? So really analyzing your project, understanding the different components in your project um, and the different production steps linked to this project is extremely important. By production mm. steps, I want to talk about translation, which is a linguistic step and normally also revision or some linguistic mm -hmm. QA, but maybe also all the technical steps that might be linked to the different components of your project. It's mm -hmm. might be, it might be important to know if you need to do some desktop publishing work or if you will be requested later on to do some testing on the software you have translated. Obviously, mm -hmm. for the project manager, it's key. I mean, the project managers really have to identify all the production steps for their project. But mm. it could be also the case for the translators, for the freelance translators, being in touch with an end client, obviously, but maybe also with some translation agencies. Some mm. translation agencies actually don't have all the human resources working internally 
available or even able to do certain tasks, mm. which the translators could do. And th there mm -hmm. are funny examples of translators who can do so many different things. Mm. Um, la mm. Lately, for instance, uh, we have lots, for, for the moment, we have lots of jobs which um, require some recording. So we need actors. Okay. And um, we usually, um, we have someone recruiting the actors for us, but um, usually we go to, the, well, we go on the internet. We, we didn't really think that some people within the usual translation team might be mm. interested in recording themselves. And mm -hmm. one of the translators told us that actually she, she was also, well, she had a hobby, which was theater, and she actually is an actress. So she oh. was extremely interested in recording herself, the translation mm -hmm. which had been validated um, in order to, to really participate on another step of the project. And that's also great for us because she knows exactly the subject. She will be able to pronounce the words correctly. So mm -hmm. that, that was quite nice also to discover such a talent in the team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So do you have any tips on how to make a good analysis? Well, <clears throat> it really depends again on the project. Sometimes it's a matter of experience also, but that I discussed with the students this morning. I had a course mm -hmm. and uh, I was explaining the analysis and one of them asked me, okay, but it means that if during your analysis you realize that you don't know about the subject or you can't make it, then you should refuse the project. Mm -hmm. And I answered that um, it really depends from one person to the other. If mm -hmm. you don't like to learn new things and if you don't uh, if you're not able to find people to help you analyzing and maybe afterwards doing the job, then mm. yeah, it might be better to refuse. But mm -hmm. um, trying to analyze deeply your project, understanding what are the different components and afterwards mm. what are the volumes, trying to estimate the time needed for the different steps and uh, trying to make sure that you assess all the risks in your project again, maybe being helped by more experienced people or experts in the sector might, mm. might mean that you will learn a new type of project and afterwards mm -hmm. you'll be able and you become yourself an expert in this field. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really the key, trying to get some help for the parts of the project you feel you can't analyze and mm. also trying to assess all the risks. Okay, uh, that's, that's good advice. One stu a student of mine uh, last year did a, a survey and afterwards a thesis, a uh, master thesis about risk management in translation projects. If you're interested, mm -hmm. I can give you the link because yes, I, please. Yeah, I got the authorization to distribute it on my website. So that might be quite interesting because she, mm -hmm. she really talked about so many different risks that we might not always think about some of those risks. Sounds great. So what is the, the next step then after the analysis? Well, the logical step um, afterwards would be to work on your quotation. Mm. And uh, thanks to the analysis, be able to quote on the different steps of your project according maybe to um, 
um, let's say, well, using different rates according to the domain. Maybe you will have a documentation project, but including three different kinds of documents, one being, let's say, a user guide uh, describing a software interface, but quite technical with a certain rate for the words, and that's mm -hmm. another rate for the layout, but maybe mm -hmm. the layout will be quite easy, so it might be a certain rate for the layout, and then you mm -hmm. have another component which might be a brochure, for instance, um, mm -hmm. where the, the style would be much more important. It would be required to, to have a marketing style, and maybe the layout would be completely different. It might be an InDesign file, for instance, mm. where uh, most likely the price will be a little bit higher than a simple Word document layout. Mm -hmm. Really making sure that you apply the different rates according to the complexity of the components is really important in your quotation. Mm. Um, so, so when you do a quote then, do you um, give a, 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 a packaged price or do you break it down into different components and it, do you mix uh, per word and hourly rate and usually, how do you? Well, usually I try to make it extremely clear for the client so that they don't have any questions. So mm -hmm. um, at least I, I know that sometimes uh, it's preferable, well, some people prefer to just give um, a price for the full project. Well, on my side, maybe because I've been used also to clients who wanted to know the detail of my quotation, I mm -hmm. always detail exactly what is in the project and the different parts are um, very clearly priced so that they know how much they will pay for the translation of the documentation, for the translation of the marketing material, for the testing of the software, for the DTP of the marketing part and so on. So each mm -hmm. item is detailed and then of course they have the total. So the DTP and the testing, that's an hourly fee usually, right? Uh, for DTP, I use a, a fee, a rate per page. And the, okay. the rate can vary according to the complexity of the program to be used for layout. So okay. typically InDesign would be um, uh, probably double price than Word pages, for okay. instance. And sometimes there might not be DTP at all because it's a Word uh, document without any layout, just a few things in bold or italic, so you don't really need an extra step after the linguistic steps. But that's also something that should be uh, identified during the analysis, basically. And then uh, the translation part, do you also quote that per page then or do you no. use per word? Um, or? I use everything per word and the price, um, at least on my side, always include translation revision and uh, quality assurance. Okay, good. So you mix uh, different pricing types in a quote. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. And I always make clear what the units are, like is it, is it a page, is it an illustration? We have also prices per illustration according to the complexity of the illustration or if it's per hour, like you mentioned testing. Testing mm. would typically be something we need to quote per hour. I, I don't yeah. really imagine another way of quoting. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and then we might also add some uh, other items like maybe PM fee, project management fee for the project mm -hmm. management work, which mm -hmm. most of the time would be a percentage. According okay. to the companies, it could be 5%, 10%, 20%. It really depends. Okay. So that's, that's a lot of factors to take into account. What uh, is all the information you need then to prepare a good quote? Regarding the pricing, um, well, you how, how can you estimate 
how how can you make a good estimation? Well, I think you need to be sure exactly of what the tasks are. So again, mm-hmm. that's part of the analysis, and then you need mm-hmm. to count the volumes. Um, for translation, of course, if you quote per word, you need to know the number of words that will be translated. But mm-hmm. I think that even if you quote per hour your translation tasks, uh, if you quote them per hour, you still need to know about the volume. I mean, it's impossible to just guess how long it will take if you don't have a, an idea of the volume of work. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for testing, I would assume well, that it's hard to to estimate how many hours the testing is going to take. It's the worst. That's most of the time the part project managers don't like to quote for because I don't, I, I'm not going to say it's a pure guess, but uh, sometimes it is. If you've never mm-hmm. worked with the client and if you've never worked on, such, on the certain type of uh, software, it's nearly mm. impossible to know exactly how long it will take. And mm. the worst thing also is that sometimes clients don't send you any software and ask you to prepare a quotation, including the testing of their software. They might they send it, they send it as an Excel. Yeah, they might. Well, they might mm-hmm. even send you an email saying, "Okay, I've got a software project for you. There will oh, be approximately okay. ten thousand words to be translated. Can you quote for it, including the testing?" Okay, but then the question is, what kind of testing should we do? Are we going mm-hmm. to do the whole testing, so really testing mm-hmm. linguistically, cosmetically, technically, or um, mm-hmm. should we just do one testing phase when the client has already solved all the bugs? What kind mm. of testing should we exactly do? And again, mm. I would assume this is part of the, the analysis because you need to make sure exactly of what the client wants, mm-hmm. what will be your involvement in the project, and in some very specific tasks like software testing. And then Mm -hmm. only uh, at that stage would you be able to try to estimate the number of of hours you will need for this task. But that's extremely difficult, honestly. Mm. Yes, yes, I I can imagine. Yeah, what we we do sometimes, um, we... We tell the truth to the client. We tell them what you are asking us to quote for is very complicated. So mm-hmm. we are going to, to propose something. And uh, as soon as we have tested, let's say, 30% of the interface, we will tell you exactly how many hours we have spent on 30% mm. of the interface. And then mm. we might update the quotation. Maybe it will be lower, but maybe mm-hmm. it will be higher. Would you accept mm-hmm. this kind of uh, process? And most of the time, clients will understand the difficulty and will accept. Mm-hmm. And you, So you also have to sort of educate the client in the process and well, in a what, way, why, why uh, you need all the information. In a way, yeah. And that's why also it's so important to, to understand who your client is. Mm-hmm. They might have a different understanding of what a translation project is and what the steps are. So sometimes it's, it's more difficult. And again, it's not because the client is experienced or not that it's difficult or not. Sometimes it's very easy with new clients who have never worked in this sector because they just listened and they, mm-hmm. they assume you are the expert, you know what you're talking about. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're brand new and they just assume that translation is uh, using Google Translate and quickly revising. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and testing is not needed because they have developed the software so well that everything will be fine in the, in the target languages. So it really depends. It's a question of personality, I think, also. Mm. Yes, yes. A lot of um, psychology going into oh, that definitely. too. Definitely, and that's with everybody. It's with your colleagues, with uh, yes. subcontractors, with everyone. 
Mm-hmm. So why uh, tell us about scheduling and deadlines and the importance of them so that, trans, for example, translators can understand this? Yeah. So <clears throat> after quotation, basically, the next step would be to schedule your project. Um, mm-hmm. As a project manager, you need to know about the production metrics. How many words of a certain kind could a translator normally translate per day? Uh, how many mm-hmm. words can we revise? And also, what about DTP illustrations? How many kind of pages can we do per hour? How many illustrations and so on? So really knowing about the metrics in production is key to prepare your planning. But mm. as far as the project manager is concerned, it would obviously be uh, theoretical planning uh, mm-hmm. because you still don't know if it's feasible. You then have to check the resources, if people mm. will actually be available for this kind of project. If you mm-hmm. have people knowing how to work on those different tasks. So checking the availability is also important and it's not always something easy or um possible to do when you prepare your own uh, project. For instance, um, if a, a client asks you, uh, asks you about the possibility of a project and you start working on your schedule, it doesn't mean that the, the client is going to actually launch the project and accept mm-hmm. your proposal. So you mm-hmm. might start contacting people for nothing, which is mm-hmm. quite dangerous also because obviously translators on their side are also working on their own planning and Mm-hmm. also want to do what they will do next next week so they don't want to be contacted for nothing so that mm-hmm. that's also one of the difficult parts for project managers to know exactly um when contacting people mm. um as far as translators are concerned i would say it's a little bit the same they need to know how much they can produce let's say per day sometimes maybe mm-hmm. a week sometimes mm-hmm. translators want to as far as possible always work let's say eight hours a day during five days in a week. Yeah. But then yeah. sometimes <laughs> it could also happen that uh, because they are new or because they haven't had lots of uh, jobs the previous months, they might be ready to work seven days a week. So they have to know that also in order to be able to, to know exactly how many units of whatever, words, pages, they could accept. Yeah. So that's very important to know exactly your production metrics, your availabilities, and then... The last thing, especially for translators, I would say, would be to to make sure that when you accept various projects at the same time, you're actually able to deliver all of them on due time. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's something I've been facing with new translators or even new DTPists. They are so enthusiastic about new projects that they tend to accept everything. They are so happy mm-hmm. to have new requests. But they mm-hmm. don't really calculate how to make those different projects maybe applying different metrics because of different difficulties and making sure they will still be able to deliver them all. And mm. that's, that's why really understanding how to make your schedules is, according to me, very important for freelancers too. Yes. And for me especially, um, I think it's tricky. It takes a lot of learning to estimate. If if I have a big project, I have to spread it out and know that I cannot translate as much as I could if it's a small project per day because I need to factor in some other smaller ongoing projects exactly. too. Yeah, definitely. That's very important. Mm-hmm. 
So um, with all this, this is a lot of guesswork when you make a quote like we talked about. How can you guarantee then that a project is uh, profitable? Well, it's it, it's a guesswork for some steps, I would say, because normally for everything that you can count, like number of words or pages or illustrations, it should be normally uh, established since the beginning um, regarding the, the rates you're going to ask the clients and the rates you're going to pay to your subcontractors, at least as far as the project managers are concerned. So mm -hmm. in order to be profitable, normally in translation agencies, what we do is that we work on gross margin calculations. So we mm -hmm. make sure that whatever we, we get from the client, we can still pay the subcontractors, obviously, but then still have a, a gross margin there with some mm -hmm. money um, allowing the company to pay the employees or to pay the material, to, to reinvest, whatever. I mean, a company has to be profitable. If not, they will close. Now, um, for freelancers, making sure you're profitable again would uh, probably be possible if you know exactly how much you can produce per day mm -hmm. or whatever, but also mm -hmm. um, what kind of material you need. I mean, let's imagine a translator, freelance translator who gets a request from a direct client asking for um, some, let's say, um, the translation of an animation, like a flash animation but the translator mm -hmm. doesn't have Adobe Flash. So what is mm -hmm. he going to do? Is he going to buy Adobe Flash or is he going mm -hmm. to ask for some help? Whatever mm -hmm. the, the solution, he will have to pay for it. So he has to make mm -hmm. sure that he will still be profitable. Maybe mm. it could be also an investment, of course. He could, he could maybe buy the program and then do other projects, but he has to check that it's feasible. Mm -hmm. um, I think also that profitability is linked to experience. Yes. The more you translate um, text in a certain domain or the more you work for the same client and mm -hmm. normally the more you're profitable because you're, you're quicker all the time, um, you, you can really do those projects uh, more easily, not always having to look for new material, new references. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also, it's also linked. Yes, very, very much so. And you know the this process that this particular client uses exactly. and you don't have to go back and see yeah. okay now what do I do here and where do I submit the invoice and yeah it's a learning so process with each client so mm -hmm. keeping your client is uh, definitely I mean for me keeping my client is really profitable I need mm -hmm. to keep them I don't want to change clients all the time and developing yeah. a client too as an agency it's it's really better to start working with a department within a client company and then having other requests from other departments. So you are, you are working more for the, the same company and I think it's key. Mm, yes. I think I, I, I got sidetracked a little bit. So after the timing and planning, what are the last steps or the, the next steps um, in the project? Well, again, the, the thing with all those steps is that actually um, I'm listing them in a sequence. So first contact mm -hmm. analysis, quotation, scheduling. The next one would be launching the project and monitoring it and closing it. But the thing mm -hmm. is that sometimes those steps don't really occur in this theoretical sequence. Um, okay. So after having 
accepted a quotation and a schedule, the client will give his go-ahead for launching the project. So you can actually start working on it and make sure that all the files are ready, that the instructions are clear, that the reference material is, has been distributed to all the participants. So you're really mm -hmm. launching the project in production. Mm -hmm. As soon as it's launched, as, as, at least as a project manager, you can't just wait for the files to be delivered. I think you have to monitor your project, especially for big yeah. projects in many languages involving lots of people. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't really expect everyone to do what is supposed to do and deliver on due time. You need to make sure people are, have actually received the files. That could happen mm -hmm. too. Um, mm -hmm. have understood the instructions or maybe they have some questions but they don't dare asking, whatever. You need to follow your team. That's very mm -hmm. important. And as a freelance translator, you also need to monitor your own work. You need to know mm. where you are. Um, are, you, are you translating, um, um, let's say, fast enough? Um, are you sure mm -hmm. you will make it for the deadline? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at the end, you will close the project, delivering the files, um, probably, I assume, issuing an invoice, maybe mm -hmm. getting some feedback from the client and checking how to integrate this feedback. So they still, there are still sometimes some steps, even if you think you have, uh, you have finished with the project. It's not. So mm. closing this project is, is also a very important step. Now, as I said, the sequence might vary. It could happen, for instance, that as soon as the quotation has been approved by the client, this client asks you to invoice immediately, even before launching the project, because at the end of the quarter, they still have budgets and they want to budget this project within the first quarter. So that mm. be also something which means that all the steps will, will, will change. Mm. Um, we can have cases also where we immediately have to launch a project because it's super urgent and the client tells us that he, he agrees to check the budget later on. He doesn't care. He knows approximately what is the price grid we will use. So he trusts the fact that we can launch the project and only quote afterwards. So really mm -hmm. those management mm -hmm. steps theoretically would occur in the sequence I've described, but in reality there are so many different things that could occur on a project. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the your how recruiting the right resources too, and and for example, what is expected from each person in a translation project? Well, in in my company, we recruit quite a lot of people among the young graduates we have. I teach quite a lot. I've been teaching for uh, more than ten years mainly project management, but also localization. I've got some of the PMs in my team also teaching terminology, translation, whatever. So mm -hmm. we are really in touch with lots of uh, young graduates. And especially for project management, I think that out of the nine project managers, I would say s seven of them comes from the courses. So they have followed the translation project management courses and afterwards they they most of the time did an internship uh, with one of us. I Mm -hmm. I would say in the company, but it would be definitely um, directly working with the freelance project managers or with me, and afterwards mm -hmm. they would be recruited as VM, and that would be the same for the technical resources. They would be recruited mm -hmm. from the uh, localization courses. Could be the mm -hmm. case for some translators too, but we would also recruit based on CV, so most of the time 
uh, we would have to ask for a test or we will ask them to directly work with us on the project and someone, a senior translator, would revise directly their work on the project and will give uh, this translator a feedback to know if uh, is accepted in the team or not. Mm -hmm. um, recommendations, it works a lot. I would say again, that's the main factor for us. If someone is recommended by somebody else we know or another company, Mm. Sometimes I even receive some notifications from other translation companies telling me, hey, this person is quite good if you want mm -hmm. this free for the moment. And I would do the same also on my side. If, if I have a very good translator who doesn't have lots of work during a period of time, I, I could imagine I, I would contact someone I know from another translation agency to recommend this person. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, lately I've also recruited some people on social media. Mm -hmm. so, which which social media do you use for that? Well, um, it's mainly seeing people acting on social media and being interested by their profile and then reading about them, reading their blog. And one day I decide that I might try to contact them because they seem quite talented, at least on the social media. And so far, so good. I'm, I mean, I've been extremely happy with... Uh, but is, is that LinkedIn, uh, website, uh, Twitter? Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, their own blogs, okay. and uh, Facebook pages. Okay. Very good. Yeah. And the second part of your question was about what was expected from mm -hmm. people in a translation project. Um, Definitely, we expect people to deliver quality. I mean, again, most of the time, professional translators, they deliver quality. Uh, we mm. don't really have bad surprises on this aspect. We need them to deliver on time, which might sometimes be the problem. Mm. Um, and we, we are still a, a small team, so we really want people to participate in the project as part of the team. So, for instance, whenever we launch a project, or nearly all the participants would be in copy of the email, so they know who is um, translating or who is uh, doing the DTP. Everyone knows everyone, so okay. even the other team. So if there are different languages, all the teams in the different languages would be in copy. So okay. we expect them to be proactive. In case they have a question, they can send a question and we prefer in this case that all the participants are CC'd. So if Anyone has the answer, they can answer. They don't have to wait for the project manager to answer. And mm. Actually, the project manager might not be sometimes the, one, the, the right person to answer, especially if it's a linguistic question or something related to the meaning. Maybe the mm -hmm. German translator would be better to explain the Italian translators what a feature does exactly. So we are really expecting people to be proactive and to feel part of the team. They are there to produce a project with us. That's very important. And mm. some of them, I mean, some of the translators and revisers, especially for French, have been with me since the beginning. Some of them were at school with me. So mm -hmm. um, we are quite open and those people don't hesitate to propose some improvements. Sometimes on a project, you know, as a project manager, we don't always take the right decisions. And mm -hmm. we might decide for a certain uh, process or we might prepare the files in a certain way which wouldn't really uh, fit for the translation work and in this case we expect the translators to let us know so that maybe next time we can change maybe not mm -hmm. but if it's really something that makes sense we'll try to see how to change that 
So if it's a new translator, then how do you make the translator feel part of a team, and how do you make uh, the trans or tell the translator what is expected of the team spirit? Um, especially for brand new people coming out of school, we will make sure that they are revised always by the same person who will send this, pers this newcomer all the feedback needed to make sure mm -hmm. that he will really progress in his work. We mm -hmm. might also explain him that he will be in CC with many people that sometimes, you know, sometimes some people don't like that. They don't like to be mm. CC'd in emails with lots of questions going on on a project. I, I had mm -hmm. people asking me to stop CCing them, and, mm -hmm. which I can understand because we all receive tons of emails per day and yes. it can be quite distracting sometimes, especially for translators. They have to concentrate. So it's, it can be quite frustrating sometimes. So we we try to explain them that for big projects, they need to share information because losing information is extremely easy. On, mm -hmm. on our side, on the PM side, we also try to regroup the information. I mean, we just don't send tons of emails for the sake of sending the emails. We try also to regroup the information in Word documents or Excel files and tell people to use these documents. Now, we always try, it's, it's very difficult when we include someone to know exactly, especially if it's already a professional translator, to know mm. exactly what this person knows. And mm -hmm. uh, even if you have a CV or if you have a chat with someone, you don't really know how this person will react when faced with different kinds of projects. So mm. we always try to tell them also, please let us know if there is something on which I can help you or that you need more explanation or whatever. Mm. Yes. So I, I, this, this is a lot of useful information and I know that we could go on talking <laughs> forever about this, but <laughs> yeah. I do recommend that everybody will go and check uh, your book out because you I'm sure you explain everything in much more detail in the book. Yeah, that's right. And uh, but we will move on. I still have one question that I always ask everyone. Uh do you have a marketing strategy for your company that works well right now? Well, most of the time so far It sounds like it's a lot of networking. Yeah, it's word of mouth, recommendation mm -hmm. really. Um some clients recommend us to others. And uh, the thing that occurs a lot is that some people working in client company work for us, sorry, work mm. with us, and then they move to another company. And when mm -hmm. they are there and they have a need for translations, maybe in the same sector or in another sector, they come back to us. So mm. this is great because in this case, they know exactly how we work and we know exactly how they work. So that's mm -hmm. easier. Um, mm -hmm. We've had also some some new clients, thanks to students, actually, who joined companies and who tried to contact us afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, I had also some new requests from um, the networking in schools. Uh, well, we translated for schools, for instance. We translated some websites for some schools where we were teaching. Mm. Or I participated in some European projects, so again, networking via those projects. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. recently, also on social media, I had some, con it's more for trainings really than for translation projects, but I consider training as part of our translation business. So mm. that's also uh, another way to get some, some contact, social media. So, so would you mind also sending a link to where you train, where you teach? Yeah, I send you links to, uh, I teach mainly in four schools, uh, three in Belgium and one in France. So, mm -hmm. um, 
I gave seminars in different schools in uh, in Europe, but uh, currently, well, currently I'm quite busy, to be honest, because all the courses occur between September and December, because afterwards mm -hmm. all the master students have internships, so uh, we are teaching very intensively until December, meaning that for the moment I've got around 15 hours every week, um, so that's quite a lot, but I'll give you the, the links to the uh, to those main four universities. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you very much. Thank you for all this 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 great information. And uh, it's a lot to think about to make sure a translation project succeeds and runs smoothly. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for your invitation, Tess. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I think it's great for us freelance translators too to learn the steps in a project management both so we can understand the project manager's point of view, but also so we can work with them better and manage our own projects with uh, with direct clients in a professional way. Yeah, definitely. So thank you also to everyone who's been listening and taking time out of your day to listen to these wonderful tips. For the links then and more information about this episode, please go to marketingtipsfortranslators.com, episode 74. And there on the site, you can also check out other free resources and marketing tips. So thank you again, Nancy, and have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Translators. Download more episodes from www.marketingtipsfortranslators.com. If you like the show, a review on iTunes would be much appreciated.